the book of Psalms, chapter 34, verse 6. I understand since I was here last, one of my very dear and precious friends has been here to preach, Brother Nick Mahaney. We are very close. We are very close friends, and I'm glad that you have welcomed him in. hope he gets to be a regular part of coming here and ministering. Uh, we've traveled together. We're like the odd couple. When I go into the hotel room, everything is in a line and organized and situated, and he just dumps his suitcase out on the bed. And uh, But we get along well. We're just extremely different. I hope he's watching. <laughs> Amen. Psalm 34 and 6. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Very simple message that I want to relate to you today. I want to talk to you about how to find God. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, both in this sanctuary, through the live stream, in the weeks and months ahead that may find this video on archive. I ask you, Lord, that you would allow the next few minutes to be life-changing. Allow them to give us insight and understanding on how to connect with you, find you, touch you through the midst of all the chaos and concern and difficulties of life and our personal troubles and struggles. Let us know how. To find our God. We'll give you the praise and the glory. And everybody said in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I did want to mention that even though we've had the uh, COVID virus already, both my wife and I, we still do participate in the protocols and everything in each church as, as a courtesy to all the people we meet traveling from place to place from week to week. I was in a church here a few weeks ago. Um, Sunday morning. It was the first of two services. It was an all-Spanish church, and so I didn't really understand anything uh, much of what they were singing or saying. could certainly feel the Spirit of the Lord, but, uh, you know, they were everything was Spanish, and so I was a little bit disconnected, and I knew it was two services and uh, uh, traveling a lot and just still in some levels recovering. Um, I, I've been sitting down a little more in church than I ever have, and it was the first service. I thought I better save some energy, so I, I sat down for a few minutes. I was observing and watching the congregation, and one of the things that I noticed was uh, one of the ladies had come forward to the altar to pray. Several ladies gathered around to pray with her and, and comfort her and support her in her prayer, and as I watched her, she was she was very desperately pouring her soul out to God. It, I couldn't understand her language, but it was very obvious to me that she was distraught. She was concerned. She was in trouble. She seemed desperate. She was almost in some ways frantic in her prayer. She was extremely passionate. She was very aggressive. And she was reaching with it seemed like a, a desperation for a touch from God. As I observed her and, and began to kind of tap in maybe through discerning of the Spirit, feeling her burden, feeling her trouble, I began to pray for her. 
I begin to pray, God, touch her. God, help her. Lord, answer her prayer. I don't know what her need is, but Lord, she needs you. She needs you to touch her. She needs you to hear her. She has obviously some kind of a serious trouble in her life, and she is here at the altar, and she's reaching out, and she needs the help of God, and I just find myself really becoming her intercessor and really praying on her behalf that the Lord would hear her prayer and would touch her. Well, it kind of got serious. She kept praying strongly and pressing on, and the more she did, the more tagged in I got, and I found myself just praying with her with the same passion. I find myself doing everything I can to talk God into helping this precious lady. Lord, you've got to hear. If you don't hear, where's she going to turn? What's she going to do? She's obviously out of answers, or she wouldn't be down here praying in the fashion that she is. Lord, you've got to help her today. Lord, don't let her leave this altar without a touch, without you doing something in her life. God, uh, if you don't help her, she has no place to turn. And I am just really trying to wage all the possible influence I might have with God on her behalf. <laughs> when I finally eased up and took a little pause in my prayer and my negotiations with God and my concern for her. The Lord spoke to me. He spoke to me sort of strongly and even sternly. He said to me, when you prayed, I heard you. What makes you think I'm not going to hear her? And I have to admit, it came across as just a little rebuke from God. Like, what causes you to believe that I need to be convinced to help her. What makes you believe that I have to be talked into this? And he reminded me that when I prayed, he said, when you called out to me, I heard your prayer. I knew exactly what God was talking about. I knew exactly the moment he was referring to. Because I, my mind went back to when I was 19 years old. I was a long way from God. I had been raised with a church background and understanding, but I had not been in church for a number of years. I was heavily involved in drug culture. I was going to parties nonstop. Rock concerts was a big part of my lifestyle at that time. And I was very deep in the mires of sin. It's so interesting to me that we do all that stuff to have fun and enjoy life, and I was more miserable than I'd ever been. And I was in serious emotional trouble. And one night by myself in my little efficiency apartment, I was, I was high, I had been drinking. I didn't just do it when I went to the parties, I did it when I was by myself. But I was in that little efficiency apartment, and I turned around and slipped off the sofa and got down on my knees beside that sofa. And I looked up through the blackness of that dark night and I said, God, if you can hear me, I need help. I, I need you to help me. I don't want to be like this. I don't know how I got here. I don't know how to get out of here. I don't know how to recover myself from this situation I'm in. 
I don't know if I was a drug addict. I don't know where the line for that is. I was certainly on the pathway. It was always increasingly becoming more and more, not less and less. And I said, God, this is not what I want to become. This is not the lifestyle I want to live. There's, there's more to, to life and my future and what, what I could become than where this road is going to lead me. And I'm just pouring my soul out to God. And I just kept looking up toward heaven. And I was just saying, God, if you're out there, if you can hear me, please help me, God. Help me, Lord. And I prayed a little while. I didn't see any flashes of light. No angels showed up that at least I was aware of that night. And I don't discount that because I think sometimes when people call out, they do see those things. And that's very real. That particular night, I did not. I crawled up in the sofa and went to sleep. Next day was just like the day before. No discernible change. The day after that, just the same. But that very week, my uncle, who was a great prayer warrior that prayed for me many times in life, he called and asked me to come to a family reunion down in Maryland. Interesting thing about that is it wasn't really my family. I thought it was my family. I found out when I got older that that was not my family, but it felt like my family. So I just went. I needed a break from the cycle that I was in. I needed a break from the sinking sensation of my life. And so I just thought, I'll just go do this thing. And I just got in the car and drove to Maryland and went to the family reunion. While I was there, my uncle got to talking to me about the Lord. He said, why don't you just stay and go to church Sunday? I had nothing else to do. I was kind of desperate. I said, sure, I'll come. My uncle was a minister, so we went into that little church, the Apostolic Lighthouse there in Frederick, Maryland. I promise you, you could sit it right up here on the platform. And he had to go on the platform, so we just got down, and he just put me on the front row, and he went up on the platform. They started singing, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. The Spirit of the Lord got to moving, and I just slipped my hands up again. And just like I prayed in that apartment, I said, God, if you can hear me, if you can hear me, Lord, I need help. The difference this time was the platform cleared off. Three of the ministers came down, laid their hands on me. They began to pray for me. They prayed those devils off of me and out of me and from around me. In just a few minutes, I was speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of the Lord gave the utterance. It was there at the Apostolic Lighthouse. That's where, at the time, Ann Windsor was attending church. That's where I met my wife. It was there at that church that we got married. It was there that we got into the ministry. It was there that we launched out to become evangelists. And here I am 35 years later because one night when no one was around, I didn't have the advantage of a preacher sitting on the platform watching me pray and pray with me. I was just alone. I was desperate. I was in trouble. But I said, Lord, if you can hear me, and what I can tell you is, like the writer of Psalms 36, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. The Lord heard 
heard my desperate plea that night. Nobody else in the whole world knew I was praying. I don't know if there would have been very many that would have cared whether I was praying or not. But the Lord heard my plea all the way up in glory land from where I was sinking deep in sin. And he began to work things to my advantage. Literally within five days of that prayer, I had prayed through. Pastor said to me, why don't you just move down here? Get in church. Get your life straightened out. I took that advice. I went home, put things in order. Got out of that apartment, quit the job I had, moved down to Frederick, Maryland. My life from that night till now has never been the same. I am distilling this thing down to one single moment of contact. Before you're ever baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, before you ever receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues, before you ever get into a discipleship class and learn how to live and learn and live some Christian principles of dress and speech and behavior, before you ever become a church member, before you're ever involved in any of the ministries of the church, you got to find God. You got to find him from out there in the darkness. You got to find him from out there in the midst of it all. He said, how do I do that? You just reach. Just reach from wherever you are. Just reach from whatever situation you're in. I'm here to tell you today, it doesn't matter what situation you're in, what circumstance you're living, what chaos is in your life, what mess you're involved in, I'm going to tell you how to find God. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him. I don't know what happened to me through the years that I, maybe the years of pastoring, maybe years of traveling and evangelizing and watching people come to altars. I don't know what happened in my brain that got me to thinking when this woman is down there praying with all of her heart that there would be some scenario in which she would pour her soul out to God and then just go back and there would be no change. And that somehow I had to intervene on her behalf to get God to hear her prayer. But the Lord got my attention. He said, I heard you when you prayed, and I'm hearing her while she prays. The Lord fixed my thinking that night, that morning rather. I'm not feeling sorry for her anymore. As a matter of fact, the Lord said to me, if you could have seen where you would be five years from the night you prayed, you would have been full of joy. You would have been full of excitement. He said, if that woman could see where she's going to be five years from now, five years from her sincere prayer, she'd already be rejoicing. He said, but preacher, you've got to let them pray. Let her cry. Let her pour her heart out. Let her, let her pour everything. She's doing the one thing that is going to make all the difference in her life. Now, we've got people here that may be lost in the world. We've got people here that may be new Christians. We have some here that have been Christians for a long time. But there are troubles that come to your life no matter where you are. Sometimes they're very severe. Sometimes they're just mild. Sometimes it's for somebody else in your family. But we all find ourselves, regardless of where we are in life, needing to touch God. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. I'm going to tell you how you find God. You reach. 
You stand on your tiptoes if you have to. You pour your soul out to God. You get real with him. You come clean with him. You just pour your troubles right out to the Lord. And I'll stand flat-footed here and tell you, God will hear your prayer. He'll hear you wherever you are, whoever you are, from whatever condition or situation you're in when you pray. James 4 and 7. Some, you know the first part of this verse well, but I'm going to read down into the part that we're probably not so familiar with. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw nigh or near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted. Mourn. Weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Hardly an amen in the house. Just sounds like all the stuff we don't want any part of. But here the Bible is telling us, be afflicted, mourn, weep. Let laughter be turned to mourning. Let joy go ahead and be heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. But the blessing is in the last phrase, and he shall lift you up. Let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters, there is a time in all of our lives and it comes from season to season. There have been more seasons since that very first time when I have had to go and call out to the Lord. But there are seasons when we need to, when we need to just open up our heart. My mother used to sing a song, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. There's times you've just got to come clean with God. You just got to fall on your face somewhere and you just got to start pouring it all out. Everything's just not all right. Everything's just not okay. I, I've got a problem here, or I'm in a mess there, or I've allowed this in. I've got an open door. I've got a situation. We're, we're in trouble, God. We need your help. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I know I'm talking to somebody. There comes a time in life, the very best thing, the most powerful thing you could ever do is just crumble up at an altar somewhere and pray and talk to God. Turn around in a seat somewhere and just bow your face before the throne of heaven. There's a time for dancing. There's a time for shouting. There's a time for signs, wonders, and miracles. There's a time for prophecies of all the great things that are going to come in your future. But I found out before any of that ever gets started, somebody's got to reach. Somebody, somebody's got to get desperate enough to say, I'm not going to sit here in this situation any longer. I'm not going to keep dealing with this every day. I am reaching for God with everything that I have in my soul. And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter how complicated it looks. It doesn't matter how much chaos seems to be a part of it. 
It doesn't matter how impossible it seems that there could be any deliverance, that there could be any recovery, that there could be any victory. I'm going to tell you, if you'll, if you'll call out, God will hear you. God will hear the faintest plea. God will hear the faintest cry, and he will answer by and by. If you will whisper your prayer, if that's all the strength you have, use your last whispering breath to call out the name of Jesus. Say, how far does this go, preacher? Well, let me tell you about Jonah's story. You know Jonah. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because in Nineveh they didn't treat the prophets too good. And that Nineveh prophets seemed to die. So he decided, no, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm going to Joppa. So he goes the wrong direction. He gets on a ship out in the middle of the sea and a storm brews. They all figure out Jonah's the problem. He's a disobedient preacher. You could say he's backslid. He's not obeying God. He's in rebellion. Now, he's a preacher. He's a prophet. But he's in rebellion against God. Now he's under the judgment of God. They decide the only way to save themselves is to throw the prophet overboard. <laughs> Good luck when things get really bad. You'll be the first to go, Pastor. He must be the problem. we got to get him out of here. Throw the prophet over. Get, let's get rid of him. He's the one that's brought this on us. A great fish, something like maybe a whale or something of that nature, swallows him up, takes him to the depths. Here's how he describes it. I can't imagine what that must have been like. But here's what Job said in Jonah 2.2, or Jonah said in Jonah 2.2. He said, I cried by the reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and the Lord heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. A disobedient, rebellious, backslid prophet, totally disobeying the word of God, swallowed up by some great fish, carried to the depths of the ocean from the belly of hell, from the belly of his rebellion and chaos, from the belly of his, his disobedience. He said, I cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard me. And he delivered me out of the very belly of hell. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know how long you've been living for God. I don't know what anointings and what giftings might be on your life. I don't know what kind of mess you may have stepped into. But I'm going to tell you, if you've never prayed in your life or you've been praying for 25 years, but you need to touch God, I'm going to tell you, it's just a point of reaching up to him. There comes a point, there's a point of first contact that'll set things in motion in your life. And when you do it, God's going to hear your prayer. He's going to begin to move on your behalf. He's going to begin to set things in place. It was just a few days till I was walking in a whole new dimension. It was just a few weeks I was living a whole new life. It was just a few years I was on down the road into ministry. And now today, I have two sons that are both married and in ministry, bringing grandchildren into this world because one night long ago, from the deep miry clay of this old world, I cried out to God, and I'm telling you, the Lord heard my prayer. You want to know how to find God? Read Jeremiah 29, 13. You shall seek me, and you shall find me 
when you search for me with all of your heart. That's all that's required. Just get serious about it. Doesn't matter what religious denomination or label you call yourself at that moment. Doesn't matter what sins you've committed at that moment. Doesn't matter what direction you're going at that moment. It's a, mo it's a moment of first contact. You shall seek me and you shall find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Oh, we all bemoan our circumstances. We all wish God would do this, God would do that. I'm not talking about just hoping. I'm not talking about just wishing. I'm not talking about just complaining to God about the way life is. I'm talking about crying out. I'm talking about getting desperate enough that you're saying, I'm not living another day like this. I'm going to call out to God, and God's going to make a difference in my life. I'm going to go to the one place that's going to make all the difference in the world. I am going to pray the prayer that is going to change things somehow, some way. And by the way, I was right when I was telling God, if you don't hear her, if you don't help her, she has no place to turn. That part was right. The part that was wrong was I should have known already that that works every single time. It works every single time. I, was, I spent quite a number of years going to the nation of Ethiopia. Traveled there with my bishop brother Billy Cole for a number of years and then led that team for three years after he stopped going. Through the 11 years of going to the nation of Ethiopia for great crusades and revivals, had an opportunity to get to know some of the leaders of the church there, hear their stories, hear how things were. And one of the stories that was told to me, there's a lot of uh, famine, dry, arid, desert-type climate in Ethiopia, a lot of droughts that come, causing a lot of famine. When the elders began to tell me that during one season of great drought, been many, many, many weeks with no rain, the crops were drying up. In one of the villages that was almost entirely oneness, Jesus' name, apostolic Pentecostal people, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands there. And in one of the villages that was almost entirely uh, our people, they got the story. They were starving. They had no food. And the village elders met and decided, what are we going to do? There were no answers until somebody said, all we can do is just pray. All we can do is pray and ask God for help. So they decided tomorrow we'll all go out into the field and we'll pray. So the next day the whole village, hundreds of them go out into the middle of the field. The ground is dry and parched. The crops are withered. There's no food. They get to praying. Now you've been around here. You hear how us Pentecostals pray. It wasn't no quiet prayer meeting. They weren't just meditating. When you get desperate, you pray. When you get desperate, you cry out. You, when you get desperate, you, you put some passion into it. You put some emotion into it. It's not, well, I'll just see if this might bless me somehow. No, you, you look at it like this is my last hope. This is my last chance. It's either this or nothing. They were down to the moment of praying that kind of a passionate prayer. They're all standing out in the field. They're praying with all of their heart. And while they're praying, fish start falling out of the sky. Some of them dead frozen, some of them flopping. The women run back into the village, get baskets, start gathering it all up. Fish rain down on those farmers that were praying 
for food. They were no doubt praying for their crops, but God had another plan in mind. As the man was telling me his story, he said, you know, the story went far and wide. It was reported on in newspapers. I later did a little research, found articles, carried it around in my Bible for many years. This happened in the 1990s. Carried it around for years, preaching, had it in my Bible. Uh, the story goes that, of course, their story got out. People started reporting on it. Some meteorologists got involved, got curious about the possibilities. So they got to studying and looking in and discovered some weather patterns and began to discover that out over the ocean, about the same time as this was occurring, that there was a large storm and winds of 70, 80 miles per hour. And they said it was lifting up waves 25, 30 feet into the air, out into the ocean. And what they determined was that some wind shears must have come across, cut off the tops of them waves, carrying all that water and the fish in the water up into the atmosphere and carried them up in that high atmosphere across and dropped them on these farmers. Now, I personally do not take any issue with the meteorologists. I believe they may have just diagnosed with weather patterns and instrumentation what occurred. But let me give you the backstory. My mother in her song said, used to sing this one about God hearing our prayer, said our heavenly father knows our needs before we pray. You can rest assured the answer's on the way. Before those farmers gathered in the field and prayed, the storm already took place. The fish were on their way as they're gathering to say, let's lift our voices to God. By the time they begin to cry out, God's provision, I believe God reached down in the ocean stirred it up with his mighty hand. I believe he lifted that up into the atmosphere and threw it. And by the way, Ethiopia is not on the coast. There's a whole country between Ethiopia and the ocean. But isn't it interesting that the fish fell right on the people? Woo! Let me tell you, there's some answers on the way. There's some provision God's already sent. Who's it going to fall on? I'll tell you who it's going to fall on. It's going to fall on the ones that are reaching. It's going to fall on the ones that are praying. It's going to fall on the ones that say, I got no other answer in life. I'm about done. Y'all can get ready to help me over here. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him. Met my wife, got married. She told me stories. She tells us sometimes she's out speaking at conferences and stuff. She tells it better than me. I'll just give you the highlights. She's about 11 years old. Her family was very, very poor. Lots of brothers and sisters. They were, they were so poor that there were certain times that they all lived in a station wagon washed their clothes in a creek and went to school. She, they had moved into a farmhouse. Her dad was a dairy farmer. They'd moved into the farmhouse. We're just getting situated. The church van would pick her and her sister up, take her off to 
church and it was a midweek Bible study. My little uncle was the preacher that night. This is long before I ever showed up. He was teaching. When you pray, just talk to God. Just tell God what you need. When my sister and my, my wife and her sister got home that night and mother informed them there's no food, we've not been able to make any dinner, you're just going to have to go to bed, we'll see, you know, what we can do. But there was no food in the house, the whole family went to bed hungry. My wife and her sister remembering the prayer, my wife began to pray and said, God, we're hungry. She's 11 years old, we have no food, you have to help us, Lord. When she tells the story, she has a little side note about asking for some chocolate that's quite interesting. Little 11-year-old girl with an empty stomach just fell off to sleep. God heard that prayer. It was a cold, wintry night in Maryland. Snow on the ground everywhere. But early, early the next morning in the old farmhouse with the cold wind blowing outside, she heard her mother's voice, Patricia Ann, Patricia Ann, Barbara, y'all come down here. Everybody come running down the steps. The front door of the old farmhouse was open, and on the front porch was bags and bags of groceries. No footprints, no tire marks. No one to even know who would have known they needed food or who would have been even aware of the situation. Her mother and father have both passed on. Even one of her sisters has passed on to this day. Nobody has ever been able to understand how or where. But I think I figured it out. A little 11-year-old girl from the darkness of hunger and despair and poverty lifted up a little feeble voice to God and said, Lord, we need help. And when she cried, the Lord heard her prayer. Would you stand with me across this auditorium this morning? I know this might be a little different kind of message than what you come expecting, but I am going to tell you that when you seek God, you're going to find him. According to the scripture, you'll find rest because this is the rest wherein the weary find rest. According to the scripture, you'll find life because he is the way, the truth, and the life. You'll find strength. He'll give the weak strength to even the weak and say, I am strong. You'll find joy unspeakable and full of glory. You'll find wisdom. The Bible said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally. You'll find hope that will become the anchor of your soul. You'll find love, love like you never knew the love of God. I'm telling you that when you seek the Lord, you're going to find something. I think it's an opportunity this morning for somebody to cry out to God. From this moment, the altar area is open. There's plenty of room to spread out across here. If you want to come and kneel at one of these steps and pray and talk to the Lord. If you want to stand and pray, you're welcome to stand. If you want to just come get up next to a wall somewhere and just turn your face toward the wall and just privately talk to God. If you want to turn your seat, just sit down and lean forward into the seat where you are and make that your altar. You're welcome to do so. But I am telling you, if you want to find God, this is where it starts. 
you may have been in church 30, 40 years, but you're like that little woman that's got to crawl through the dust and catch the hem of his garment this morning. And maybe like me, you forgot how simple it really is when you call out, the Lord hears. When you lift your voice, the heaven is going to rally around the prayer that you pray. Come on, somebody who needs to talk to God today. In a congregation this size, there's got to be a myriad of needs marriages that need somebody to call out and say, God, we need help. Some children that need help. Some young people that need help. You're in some kind of a situation, some kind of a trouble. You're facing God. All the areas open. Musicians are going to play. They're going to make song and melody and music great atmosphere because we can't be as dependent on all of us coming around you and laying hands like normal. We're going to create an atmosphere for you to touch God. God, do for each one of these that are coming to you today what you did for me so many years ago. Do the one thing that's going to make a difference. Do the one thing that'll make a difference. If you're watching this on the live stream, turn your living room. If you're in your easy chair, lean back, close your eyes, and begin to call out to God. If you're watching from a hospital bed somewhere, just lift your hands right now. If you're over there in the overflow rooms watching this on a video screen, just fall out of your seat and begin to talk to the Lord. I'd like to turn this whole auditorium into an altar space right now. Stand and pray, sit down and pray, turn around and kneel and pray, whatever you're comfortable with, but find God. You'll set something in motion today that'll make the difference. If you have a loved one up here praying or a friend and you want to come pray with them, that'll be all right. Jesus.
This is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how I fight my battles.